Good morning, Living Hope Church. Thank you, worship team, for leading us uh, in that medley. It was a sweet presence, right? Just thinking about what Jesus has done, thinking about his love, that we can sing his love forever. It's such a joy to do that together with you. My name is Pastor Ed Mejia. If you don't know me, I am the church planting resident here at Living Hope Church, and it is a real gift, a real joy, a real honor to be able to bring the word to us this morning. Uh, I, I do want to give us a quick update as to what's going on with the residency, with the church plant plans. I got three quick updates, and then we're going to dive right in because I am excited to jump into the word today. So, three things. Number one, about Arizona. Check this out. After many Zoom calls, conversations, and prayer, we have found by God's grace a whole, a, by God's grace, a host church that is going to be collaborating with us to plant a church in Chandler. Yes, come on now. That's awesome. <laughs> that means a lot of things. That means that means God is already doing something over there, number one. And number two, that means we are not alone over there, right? Like we have family, the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, ready to receive us. And they are excited and eager to welcome us into the region. They are a part of the Acts 29 uh, church planting network, which has been fantastic. And they are literally 20 minutes away from Chandler, Arizona, which is where we're going. They're located in Gilbert. So it's been great. And we're building with them. We're communicating often. So pray for that. But we're excited about that. The second thing is pray for me and my family, of course. Uh, I started the Acts 29 assessment application, and, and we're looking to get the, the green light for membership, hopefully uh, before summer. Uh, all in all, here's the third and final thing. We just continue seeing God opening doors, um, and there's so much more to share. And, and, and I will be sharing more details next week because we want to get you involved. We want to keep you up to date with everything that's going on. But in the meantime, uh, we would encourage you to sign up for our newsletter. Um, if, if you notice the church email and a couple that have gone out recently, we did have a link. Uh, we'll put it again there again so you can sign up and you could get up-to-date monthly emails knowing what's going on. And we also are offering some free encouragement there, some resources just to bless you as a thank you. So go ahead and sign up for that uh, when you get an opportunity. Now, today is Family Worship Sunday, which means we got some little ones with us today. Little ones, are you here? No. Where'd they go? That's the we we're here. Kids, are you here? Oh, there they go. Thank you, guys. We are so glad you're hanging out with us today because we are going to look at God's word together and we're going to all learn together. So we do have something for you. Uh, kids, listen to me. Mom and dad, when they walked in, they received a pamphlet, but there's also some goodies there for you. Uh, you got one of these over there, a little coloring page. And also in the back, in the back, we have a fill in the blank so you can follow with us and hear together what God is teaching us today. And today, we're continuing our series in our study through the book of Second Thessalonians, as we're looking to the call to stand firm. And kids, if I had to say the title of today's sermon differently, I would say it like that. Don't stop believing. I know, you hear journey in your head right now, right? Yeah. But, but kids, that's the big idea. Let's give them the next slide. I want you guys to see because there is, this is the big idea of the sermon today. And, and, and I think we can help the kids memorize that. Mom and dad, church family, would you help us to say this together? We're going to say the big idea is can't stop, won't stop 
believing in Jesus. Now watch this, watch this. We're going to do this together because we're a family, right? Watch this. This side, would you say can't stop? In the middle, would you say won't stop? In my far right, your left, would you say believing? And all together, we're going to say in Jesus. Are you ready? Here we go. Let's see if you got this. Can't stop. Won't stop. Believing in Jesus. That was all right. Let's do it again. Ready? Come on. One more time. Let's go. Come on. One more time. Can't stop. Won't stop. Uh-huh. Come on. Let's give it up. Good job, kids. Good job, mom and dad. That's the big idea today. See, we're talking about standing firm in what we believe. Why is that important? Because if you don't know why or what or, or, or why you believe the truth about Jesus, you will fall for anything. Anybody love the snow? Any kids? You like snow days? You guys love the snow? There was a time I loved it. Genuinely, authentically. I loved it. I saw snow. I wanted to go out and play. But then it became dangerous. Then it became something I didn't enjoy so much. See, let me explain. I remember one day I was going to work and I literally like can walk to my office uh, from where I live. And so it was a snowy day the day before and it was super cold overnight. So I got my jacket, I got my book bag on and I'm on my way to work. Now I'm walking to work, minding my own business, believing that it's going to be the best day ever when suddenly I step on something that sent me flying. It literally, I stepped on a piece of black ice and I, all of a sudden everything went slow-mo for me for some reason. I am looking at a big beautiful blue sky. I see foot number one and foot number two and I landed straight on my back. I was like on the floor flat. Now of course, thank God I didn't get hurt. I had a book bag on. I mean it, it did hurt but it, it hurt more my pride than anything else, right? So I got up hoping nobody looked. But But here's the thing, it wasn't a big block of ice that caused me to slip. It was a thin sheet of ice. This thick. You see, you can't stand firm when the ground isn't stable. And and, and the, the reality is that just like I slipped on a little piece of ice like this, the same thing can happen with our lives. We too can slip if we're not mindful of where we stand. We can slip into fear, we can slip into confusion, we can slip into despair. And in our text today, we're going to learn why and how we as believers can stand firm. It's going to show us why we don't stop believing and why we don't have to slip into fear and confusion and despair. And so as a quick recap of what we've been learning We've seen in the last few weeks that Paul is writing to a church that was under persecution. Kids, persecution is just a big word for like faith bullies. These are people who are bullying the church because they're Christian, because they believe in Jesus. They're really hurting them. They're pushing. They're being mean and and bringing trouble because they believe in Jesus. And, And here's the thing. The church is a new church. And so they're also struggling with some confusion over the return of Jesus because of what they're suffering. And so Paul writes this second letter to the Thessalonians to do three things. Are you ready? The first thing he's writing to help those who were fearful by clarifying what happens when Jesus will come back. He wants to clarify, hey, listen, Jesus hasn't come back yet. 
These things are going to happen. It's okay. Don't be afraid. The second thing he wanted to do was to encourage and strengthen the Thessalonians in the face of persecution. He wanted that he wanted the church to be strong when faith bullies would come around. And so the third thing he does is he wants to deal with some other problems that were happening in the church. And we're going to look at that in the coming weeks. And last week, we were able to hear about the way the Lord's return will truly be a day of great comfort and ultimate victory. As he destroys the man of lawlessness. Kids, that was just this evil guy who was opposing God, right? And he, it says that Jesus would, would destroy him with a breath. Jesus will blow the enemy away like a candle. And today, Paul's going to continue on to strengthen the hope of the church with three gospel focuses. So parents, if you got your outlines, these are the three points we're looking at today. Kids in the back, you're filling the blank. We're going to start filling those out in just a second. But he, he uses these three focuses to encourage them. He uses a gospel reassurance. A gospel exhortation or instruction and a gospel prayer at the very end. So let's read this together. Second Thessalonians chapter two. We're reading verses 13 to 17. I'm going to read. We'll pray and we're going to dive right in. It reads, but we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. Through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel. So that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold on to the traditions that you were taught by us. Either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself... And God, our father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Pray with me. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come as it's already been doing, opening hearts, opening minds. But here, as we are listening to your word, as we are sitting under your word, Father, we ask that it would penetrate our hearts. That it will penetrate our minds, Father. That it will go into the dark places where hopelessness is residing. Where there, wherever there may, may be doubt, bring clarity today, Father. Wherever there may be heaviness, Father, lift up the burden today, Father. Let the hope that you give in the gospel, Father, fill us in such a way, Lord, that we shine it for others. That we share it with others. Would you do it in our midst today, Father? We look to you. We trust you. We love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Today, I want to give you three reasons why we can stand firm. Kids, ready? Turn that, that uh, fill-in-the-blank side. I'm going to give you the answers to the first one. Are you ready? Here we go. Because this is our first point this morning. We stand firm because we are loved, chosen, and changed by God. Paul's giving the Thessalonians a gospel reassurance. Read verse 13 with me again. He says, but we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. He starts with with gratitude that the Thessalonian church, that, that they are not like those mentioned in the previous verses 9 through 12. If you remember last week, those are people who refused to believe, who did not believe. 
So Paul's saying, thank God that you believe. He rejoices that God chose some of them to believe the truth and be delivered from delusion and divine judgment. He also calls them brothers beloved by the Lord. Now, kids, when you hear brothers, it doesn't mean that there's only men there. It means brothers and sisters, everyone who's a part of the church. He's addressing all of them and he's saying, hey, all of you, all of you are beloved by God. He's affirming God's love to them. And that word beloved sounds very, it's used very similarly in a different text. In Deuteronomy 33, 12, it, it says this, of Benjamin, this is of the tribe of Israel. He said, the beloved of the Lord dwells in safety. The high God surrounds him all day long and dwells between his shoulder. Isn't that beautiful? He calls them beloved because he wants them to know that they are safe because they are loved by God. And then he goes on to say that they are also chosen as first fruits. Paul unpacks God's love by saying God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. So what does first fruits mean? Well, th- this could be an echo of, of God's choice of Israel in the Old Testament, right? That they were the first to experience God's saving power, first to experience God's covenant. So Paul is saying that God chose the people of the church of Thessalonica to be the first fruit or the first in this location of the world to experience this kind of salvation, He's saying what you're experiencing, Church of Thessalonica, is unique and special. But more than that, it's secured. Because why did God choose them? Read with me. God chose them as first fruits to be saved. John 15, 16, Jesus, our, our, our Savior, says it like this. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask me in my father's name, he may give it to you. Church, we are not Christians because we chose God. We are Christians because God chose us. And because God chose us, our eternal destiny is salvation. Because of his love, because of his choice, we are secured. Look how it says it in Ephesians 1.4. He chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Paul reassures them and us today that we can stand firm because we are loved and chosen. But not only that, we're also changed by God because look how the verse continues you have been chosen as first fruits to be saved it continues on through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth so what is this big word sanctification well Grudem a theologian explains it like this he says sanctification is a progressive work of God and believers that make us more and more free from sin And like Christ in our actual lives. So a a short version of that is that God works in us and with us to make us holy like Jesus. To make us more like Jesus. Righteous and holy like him. And here in our text we learn that this progressive work of God and believers happens with two things. It happens by the Spirit. 
by God's actual presence and work in our lives. And then the second thing that happens, this change happens through our belief in the truth. And these two factors are the things that change us. It's not our ability to act different or to modify our behavior. If you think that Christianity is about trying harder and doing better, you don't know it yet. You don't understand grace yet. Maybe you've been discouraged because you said, I tried that before and it didn't work for for me. What What I'm trying to tell you is that change doesn't happen simply because I push myself to make it happen. No, God himself gets involved in my soul, in my heart to change my desires, to take them away from what was sinful and push it, move it towards what's righteous and holy. And the second thing is the belief in the truth. These two things are are a part of this transformation, this process. God empowers us to change as we believe in the truth. God changes us. God changes us. And he does so by his spirit as we believe. But what are we changed for? Look at verse 14. Verse 14 tells us what we're changed for. It says, to this, this salvation, this work of sanctification, this good news of the gospel. He says, to this he called you through our gospel so that, here's the purpose, so that you may obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he He's actually taking a moment here to tell the Thessalonian church that everything you've been going through, has been part of the plan and part of the process. And, and, and not only that, that all they've been going through is part of God's transformational process to bring us to the good stuff, which is the glory of Jesus Christ. Church, all your suffering, everything you're going through has meaning and value and purpose. Because God is working in you, changing, shaping you, strengthening you, forming you. And and Christ is what's coming out of you. As you stand firm, as you hang in there and hold on to the Lord and hold on to what is true and lean on the power of the Spirit, you're able to see God turn trouble into triumph, turn pain into blessing, turn, turn difficulty and darkness into joy and a testimony of His glory. It's kind of like pizza. <laughs> Let me explain. You're like pizza, Ed? It's like pizza. Kids, you like pizza? I love pizza. Now, Tony Evans, he, he, he says that sanctification is like when you go to an authentic pizza spot. Check this out. I, I'm a New Yorker, so I'm a, I got high standards for pizza. I gotta say, right? And, and not for nothing, I remember as a kid going into the pizza spots and you would show up and there would be this ball of dough sitting there and then they would take this uh and, and and that's where they start they start with a ball of dough and then they start pressing and mashing it and they start pounding it and they throw powder on this thing and they bang it around for a while and then they get real fancy they start tossing it up and then they start like flipping it and all these crazy stuff and they slam it down and now it's somehow a perfect circle right and then they throw the sauce and the food and all that stuff and and, and look after banging it up for a while you know, it goes through this whole process, the dough, for us to enjoy it. It goes through all that so that we can enjoy a slice of pizza. So, but, but when you go to a pizzeria, you don't ask for dough. You ask for a pizza. 
Right? You want the good stuff. You want the sauce, the cheese, the meats, the veggies. And if you're a little crazy, you like some pineapple on it. I don't know. To each his own, right? But, but, but you, you, you pretty much want all the good stuff on it, but you can't get the good stuff until the dough has been prepared. In the same way, you and I, we have to be prepared to obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the good stuff. And there's a process that we have to go to. And sometimes preparation starts with some pressing, with some mashing. Sometimes it means being thrown around and banged up a little bit for a little while. But this is only preparation for the good stuff. So hear me. Don't give up. Don't you quit. You're in the hands of God and the good stuff is coming. We have a gospel that says there are good things coming. That there is a day where, where my sister will not feel no more pain. There's a day when the good stuff is coming. There's a day when, when, when the struggle with depression and anxiety won't exist for you. Because Christ has prepared us to obtain His glory. Amen? And so He, Paul reassures the church with the truth of the gospel here. The good news that Jesus died to save sinners. Jesus died to help those who were helpless. That, that God has chosen some to be saved from his righteous judgment. And he has welcomed them into his family as sons and daughters. And because of what God has done, you and I can stand firm. And we need to be reassured. We need to be reminded. This is why we gather together so that we would come around this truth. So that this truth would fill our hearts and give us that gospel reassurance. Because we need it. Listen, suffering and trials of life in a difficult world will come, but you could find comfort in the gospel. You, you could be stepping out to, in faith to obey God even when it's not popular. You can look to the gospel for confidence. If you're enduring challenges with your marriage or raising your kids, listen, you can look to the gospel for perseverance. When you're facing oppositions, when you, when you seek to live out your faith with your classmates, your teammates, your coworkers, look to the gospel for strength. When you feel despair and guilt for sin, for those things you wish you could take back but you can't, look to the gospel for forgiveness. Because it's it's not without delivery. God comes and gives it all. He promises on these things and he delivers on these things. Maybe you're lacking clarity, purpose. What, what am I here for? What, what? Maybe you're a young person. You're between that stage of like, I just finished high school. I'm about to go to college and I don't know what I want to do in my life. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you feel like, I don't know, like, I don't know if there's something for me here or there. I'm here to tell you, look to the gospel because it'll not only give you purpose, it'll give everything in your life true meaning. Church, God is reassuring us today that we can stand firm because we are loved, chosen, and changed by God. Let's look at our second point today. Because now Paul transitions, right? He, he continues on and gives them gospel instructions. In light of what he just explained about the truth of the gospel and this reassurance, he now gives them an exhortation. He gives them an instruction, what to do with this. Kids, ready for the second fill in the blank? Here we go. The second fill in the blank is, we stand firm by holding on to tradition and what we've been taught by God's servant. I know I use big words there, but look, it's on the slide. You could just copy it from there, okay? Don't stop believing. 
We stand firm by holding on to traditions and what we've been taught by God's servant. Look at verse 15. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. So in, in, in light of the gospel, in light of what Paul just laid out, in light of God's work in our salvation and sanctification, God is now calling this church through Paul to do two things specifically. One, to stand firm. And the second thing is to hold to the traditions that you were taught. See, one could argue that they're one and the same, right? That standing firm and holding on to traditions are, are like one and the same. But, but I think they serve two different purposes. I think the call to stand firm is an exhortation to the Thessalonians to continue having a public faith. Don't hide Jesus because of the trouble that you're facing. I know the pressure's on. I know they're persecuting you. But listen, don't, don't put Jesus to the side just because you want to play it safe. No, he's saying continue having a very public faith. In other words, even if the culture or public opinion goes in one direction or the other, you stand firm. Dig your heels in, ground your footing in what Jesus has done, and don't stop believing. The same could be said for us today. No matter what we read or see on social media or the newspapers, no matter what notable Christian pastor or other person is is falling away, no matter who's deconstructing their faith today, the call is to stand firm by God's truth and by God's grace. And I think you do that by holding on to traditions that you were taught in private. Traditions that you were taught in Bible study, through the scriptures, through godly parents, and and, and through the servants of God. Traditions sometimes can catch a bad rap. But but there's nothing wrong with tradition. I think think there's an issue sometimes when tradition trumps loving your neighbor, right? Like when you're just literally not loving people over your traditions, right? But, But there's a difference. There's also knowing that your traditions actually enable you to love people. Right? And help you to love people. So if you put tradition in its, in, in its place, you, you find that tradition preserves the truths that we value from generation to generation. It still holds so much value today. I mean, consider the, the creeds, right? The Apostle Creed, the Nicene Creed, the oral tradition of passing down, the, the passing down of the gospel, of the tradition. Truths of God are not outdated. They don't have expiration dates. The truth of scripture, the truth of who God says he is, the truth of the gospel has no expiration date. They've stood the test of time because God's truth is not some fad. It doesn't, it's not here today, gone tomorrow. It is an eternal word. And in a few moments, we're actually going to celebrate one of the great traditions of our faith, the Lord's Supper. For generations, Christians have followed the instructions of Jesus to ground ourselves in the work of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection as we eat the bread and drink the cup. But when we're talking about holding on, kids, follow me for a second. It's kind of like the game Jenga. I want to get where you... Charlie, can we get get the Jenga right there? Thanks, man. So you understand the object of the game. The object of a game is to pull pieces and keep on building. Hmm. And you take another piece and you keep on building. But once you take too many important pieces out, 
things start to fall apart. And that's when you lose, right? There are three enemies of our souls that are trying to pull truths away from us. Kids, Satan will tell you, God doesn't really love you. And then he'll make you feel guilty about stuff. The world will tell you, hey, you don't need God to be happy. Come on. And you just feel the burden. And then your own heart will even try to lie to you and sabotage you too. And it'll say, hey, it's just a small sin. I mean, come on, nobody, nobody's going to get hurt. And you keep arguing, right? And then, and it just keeps, look, it's just, it, nobody will know. It'll be totally fine. This is true of our lives. These, these, these things are coming after us to pull the truth away from us. And, and we cannot let the enemy, the world, or our own hearts play with our lives. We have to hold on to the truth. We have to stand firm and never stop believing because if the foundation is strong, you could keep on building. You can continue building your life upon it. You know, skyscrapers, they, they, you know, it's, you guys probably know this already, but, but kids, you know, the taller the building is, the deeper the foundation has to go. You could build as high as you want, but your foundations have to hold. And, and, and 1 Peter 5.13 says it just like this. It says, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people. He's basically saying, don't let people pull at the truth. Don't let lawless people pull at the truth because if you do so, you will lose your own stability. And we stand firm. We can build our lives on these traditions and the things that we have been taught by God's servants. So build on the truth of the gospel. Finally, we see that Paul is under no impression that the Thessalonian church could do this on their own. He's like, he's, he's, he's not even in First Thessalonians. Look in, in First Thessalonians 5, 23, 24. Look how he, he closes that letter. He prays, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Does Paul sound like he's confident in the Thessalonians' ability? No, he's praying because he knows we need God. He knows from his own life and the testimony of others the need for God's power to live for him. And so in the following verses, Paul prays again this gospel-centered, or I would say a God-centered prayer for the Thessalonians. Let's read verses 16 and 17 together. It reads, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself, there it goes again, and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work. This is the third point. Are you ready for the final fill in the blank? Kids, how we doing? You've been following along? Here's the last one. Ready? We stand firm because God's power works in our hearts through prayer. We stand firm. 
Because God's power works in our hearts through prayer. Here we see Paul pray a a God-centered prayer. He prays that God himself, in person, right? Like, I mean, I'm talking about in his spirit, by God the Holy Spirit, like that he himself would comfort our hearts, number one, and establish our hearts in every good work and word. The reason I say that this is a God-centered prayer is because he makes this prayer on the basis of Jesus our Lord and God the Father's love for us. He says, may the Lord, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort. That's his confidence in, in his asking. That God has already done something in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. That, that God has already shown his love for us. He's confident he can, that God will help them himself because of what God has already done. So God loves us. And then the second thing is he says he gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. So Paul's prayer is completely reliant and confident that God has and will continue to comfort our hearts. Because the comfort that we have been given is eternal. What that means, Ed, that means it will never fade. And it's always available for us. That eternal comfort is always available for us. And because of what we saw in in, in the previous section, we saw that God is at work from the beginning to the end. We can trust that he will establish our hearts and we'll see it manifest in every good work and every good work. Simply put, you will see signs of God's power at work in you, in the way you serve and the way you speak. It's kind of like you ever seen a person who went to like a hot destination for a vacation. Typically, they come back and they're a little burnt, right? <laughs> a little tanned, a little toasted. You could tell they've been out in the sun. There's evidence of where they've been. And, and in the same way, Paul's praying that God himself with his presence, with this gospel, would be there. And him being with you will result in your heart being established in every good work, in everything you do, and in every good word, in every way you speak. And here's one final note on this. Paul's encouragement to the Thessalonian church came with a demonstration of the power of the Trinity at work in the lives of believers. Did you see that? In these verses, we see the love of the Son and the Father in his, in his choosing us to be saved by the sacrifice of God the Son on the cross. And we also see the Holy Spirit applying the finished work of Jesus to our lives. What a mighty God we serve. That the whole Godhead is invested in your salvation from beginning to end. He's the provider. He is the achiever. He is the one who gets it done. Kids, we stand firm because God's power works in our hearts through prayer. So mom, dad, keep on praying. Don't you stop praying. You fight in prayer. You push. When you feel like it's not doing nothing, you keep going. Pray, pray that the Lord would keep on comforting you and and comforting those around you, that he would establish your heart and their heart in the gospel. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Prayer is the most authentic and truly humble display of dependency and trust in God. And dependency could be hard for many of us. We know how to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. 
Many of us understand the principle of being disciplined and hardworking to see great results. But hear me, our life requires more than our efforts to become like Christ. It may not require less, but it certainly requires more. We need God himself to save us, to comfort us, to strengthen us, to preserve us, to change us, to conform us into the image of his beloved son. It's God at work in us as we hold on to the truth. As the worship team comes up, we're going to prepare to hold on to a tradition today. To share it together. We're going to prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Hear me. Standing firm. Standing firm is not about having strong legs. But a strong foundation. Take a bodybuilder who could like press like a thousand pounds with his leg and put him on a skateboard. It doesn't matter how strong. If your foundation It's compromised. And what we're seeing here is that we have a strong foundation in what Jesus has done. Our foundation is the good news of the gospel that is fulfilled and applied by the triune God. It's only when we see that we are not alone. Hear me. Because that's Paul's big message too. You're not alone. The divine creator of the universe your father who loves you, who chose you, who knew you, even before you knew him, that, that loved you even while you were dead in your trespasses, that God is here available with you and he is going to carry you through. It's only when we see that we're not alone in the storms and troubles of life that we can stand firm in our faith.